I'm Troy Washington from KTBS3 and we welcome you to Education Checkup. We look forward to sharing the positives and the challenges of our local schools. We will talk with education leaders, teachers, and community leaders, letting our community know what is happening and talking about ideas to share between schools in our community. We will have new episodes every Monday and you can find KTBS Education Checkup wherever you listen to podcasts. So let me introduce you to my co-host, Dr. Philip Roseman. Dr. Roseman, we've talked. You told me about how education was the gateway to the American dream for you. And for 25 years, you have used that passion to make some changes in education. So tell me about that passion and that drive. Well, I uh, appreciate the kind introduction. Uh, I. Um uh, the education is the key to my American dream. I think it's the key to a lot of people's American dream. Mm -hmm. uh, my my parents were not necessarily associated with health care, other than my my mother did some school nursing and was actually in the school system mm -hmm. a long time. But uh, going to medical school was just a dream for me, and education allowed me to do that here, right here in Caddo Parish. Uh, I will tell you that I believe education is hugely important because it's the key to the American dream, because it's the key to the economy I think that we live in. Uh, it's the uh, making of job creators. It's the making of a workforce for jobs. And I think this show really hit me as an idea from, from Mr. Servins uh, here at the station, uh, is that this is an opportunity to share something really positive that's going on in Shreveport and Bossier and Northwest Louisiana. And it's a way to share best practices. We're going to have people from principals from different schools. I think this is going to be an opportunity for people to learn from each other and I'm really excited about that. And I'm most excited though about the guest we have today. We have some pretty exciting uh, We do. Especially we do. today. Today we have uh, an education checkup, Dr. Gorey. Um, I have uh, known him a long time ever since he's, mm -hmm. he's been here. He, like I, were born and raised mm -hmm. uh, in Shreveport, Bossier, uh, and love this city. Right. Uh, and one of the things I can say to you, uh, with no, uh, no check, that you walk the talk, you have always had great integrity. What you said you were going to do, you do. And your leadership is that of common sense. And, mm -hmm. and that isn't always found in every leader. And the thing that you've done for Caddo Parish, from my perspective, is that you brought some sustainability to leadership in the Caddo Parish schools. Mm -hmm. uh, you've been here a while, okay, and before you came, there was a uh, in and out re revolving door mm -hmm. uh, of superintendents, no one right. lasting very long, and we spent all of our energy talking about the politics of of school superintendents rather than about children and education. And since you've been here, I think things have changed. Yeah. Uh, and we're just uh, uh, really happy, thrilled to have you today to kind of talk about some of those things. Um, I'd start out by just asking you right now, what are your priorities? What are you thinking in terms of how we improve schools here in Caddo Parish? Well, I certainly want to start off by thanking Troy and you, Dr. Roseman, for the invitation to be a part of this conversation. Uh, I love, love telling the Caddo Parish story and telling the wonderful things that are happening. Uh, as we bounce back from two years that have been like no other, our priorities are going to be really important. One thing that I think is important to say is that we operate from a strategic plan, and it's called Big Dream Starts Here. And, what, and when I first returned home to lead the school system, one of the first things we did in 2014 was develop a five-year strategic 
plan. Now, when the pandemic hit, we had just completed, well, pre-pandemic, we had just completed that plan and we were in the process of revamping it when the pandemic hit. I'm so happy that we had not finished that because it would have been time wasted. Your priorities as you come out of a pandemic are so different from what they would have been. As we look to priorities for our school system next year, it's really, when you look around the academic setting, it's how can we continue to provide high quality professional development to our teachers so that they can implement with fidelity a tier one curriculum to all children when children are on so many different levels. In that respect, we will look to how can we continue to provide intervention and supports so that we can fill in those gaps that have been created by COVID. And that's from an academic perspective. When we look at things like human resources, we have some absolute challenges and goals there into how do we make sure that every child is pro provided with a high quality teacher, uh, something that we take for granted with our own children. But if it's good enough for our children, it's certainly good enough for every child and making sure that we're not only recruiting, but that we're onboarding, that we're supporting and training uh, teachers so that we can retain a high quality workforce. We're looking to continue to work with our operations division to ensure that we're providing the highest level of support at the most fiscal responsible level possible so that we can ensure that as many dollars as possible go directly into the classroom. And certainly that speaks to our last uh, issue as far as making sure that we are wonderful stewards of the taxpayer dollars and make sure that we're making those decisions that uh, continue to encourage people to continue to do things like support millages. We've had some of the greatest support ever for millages, hitting the 80% with our most recent millages that we've renewed. And want to continue to have that level of support in this wonderful community. Let me ask you, how does that vision kind of differ between your elementary schools, your middle schools, and high schools? Because there are different needs. At each right, level. yeah. I think when we look at our elementary school, the focus uh, from an academic perspective or from a priority perspective is 100% on literacy. There's so much out there that speaks to uh, a literate child having a higher probability of being success as they go through life. Uh, and, I, you know, I tell people probably the most important skill we teach a child is how to read. Uh, that prepares you to go through so many different situations in life. I think as we look at our middle schoolers, we're looking at them from the perspective of how are we making sure that we can connect those problem-solving skills, a lot of those numerical skills, uh, things that we learn in math. In fact, we've uh, doubled, uh, we double-blocked our math time across the board because we knew that that's an area where we've struggled and we knew coming out of the pandemic that we would continue to struggle there. And of course, our high school focus being really that college and career connection. How are we making sure that we're providing students with that opportunity to be their very best based on what they want to do with their lives. We believe too that every child can go to college, but we're so happy that we know that there are other opportunities for children if college is not what you choose to do and making sure that we're supporting you to doing whatever that may be. You know, uh, I've heard this statistic before and I believe it to be true that they determine the number of jail cells that are right. needed in third. a state by looking at the third grade reading third grade level. Literacy. Mm -hmm. So certainly that's got to be a key issue for us and it's it's great to hear you say that you know we're going to focus our efforts in elementary school on that literacy that early literacy taking it even back a little bit mm -hmm. closer to birth right uh, talk about early childhood education talk about what needs to happen in terms of preparing children 
for them to come to school and be successful in school. So you, I think it was probably about five years ago working with the Community Foundation with some wonderful uh, community people who were very concerned about pre-K seats and making sure that we had enough pre-K seats in our community and we certainly are still working there. But I remember they introduced us to literature around this thing called the 30 million word gap and what it spoke to is that uh, from a neurological perspective if, you're, if a child's not introduced to these uh, 30 million words by the time they're three uh, they, they can never acquire that knowledge. It's just neurologically wow. you miss that and that's something that you can't make up. Uh, that's one of those things that ke kept me up at night and, and that did be help me to begin the conversation to bring people in the community in the conversation around zero to three opportunities for child care and ensuring that we're getting students uh, in those opportunities where they're being read to and they're being communicated with. Uh, because of that we do work very closely uh, with the community. Uh, we're actually entering some work with the city now too. He's allocated some resources as well as community foundation allocating resources and braiding those with our state dollars so that we are helping families now to find that zero to three support when we hit three and four we're funneling those students into our, our high-quality pre-K programs. Uh, wonderful work done in our state where we do have standards even for our, uh, you know, our, our, our pre-K programs so that we know that those are highly qualified teachers as well. We know that there's a high, highly qualified uh, system of support there as well as an evaluation system to support. And we're making sure that we are exposing children to those literacy skills and those things that you will need uh, as early as birth. And certainly working up to the kinder opportunities for children. Well, Dr. Gorey, one of the uh, other things, we talk about school safety a lot. Sometimes mm -hmm. we talk about it in terms of opening doors and closing doors and locked doors and all of those kind of issues, and that's all important. But, you know, sometimes we, we don't always talk about learning values and character. The old-timey, old I guess, <laughs> because I'm old, uh, of character education. I'm sure right. that's not the term anymore, but the teaching of values, the teaching of that as it relates to school. What, what things do you have in place, you know, to talk about values and the importance of loyalty and all of those mm -hmm. kind of important character traits. Right. You know, I remember, Dr. Roseman, you'll remember with our uh, Amazing Shake and when we started the Transformation Zone, we did what was called the Amazing Shake. And a lot of the, the things that we did around Amazing Shake was really that we knew that some of those soft skills, that firm handshake, two-way conversations, many of our children were coming to school without those skills. So we knew that it would be our responsibility to teach you those things that you had to know before you could begin to embrace true academic success. We're really excited now, though, that we've expanded that to which uh, we we have leader in me schools, but we also have schools that have embraced a district-wide social-emotional learning platform. And all those values, the loyalty, uh, the grit, uh, the, 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 you know, being supportive of others, those are all those things that we're embedding uh, in this social-emotional learning platform every day so that students are having an opportunity to develop those skills. Uh, there are so many children and that were home, and you know, this is certainly not blaming parents, but I think everyone during the pandemic was found themselves in a state of, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't even know there will be a tomorrow. So I do think that we all, myself included, uh, became a little complacent with how we held our young people accountable uh, for being responsible for simple things like cleaning their room. Uh, so we're finding ourselves really rebuilding and supporting families as we shift back to a little bit more of the responsibilities that we saw pre-pandemic. Uh, and that's even with things as far as student behavior. We saw some serious increase in misbehavior and uh, just, um, you know, in a 
appropriate behavior when we came back to the pandemic. So continuing to support families as we support children through uh, those things that must happen uh, if they're going to be successful in school. You yeah. touched on it a little, but that um, opens up the conversation for truancy mm -hmm. and just how you guys are addressing that because during the pandemic, like you said, a lot of people did not know what to expect. Right. And so something that I feel like there was a bit of a handle on. Right. It, uh, the pandemic allowed that to get a little more out of control. So now we're in a phase of bringing that back in. Right. And getting these kids back in the classroom, getting back in that normal flow. So absolutely out of control, uh, especially last year, I think more so than uh, the pandemic year because there were so many options to do virtual. But I think as we looked at um, inviting more people back on campus last year, in fact, encouraging that, uh, we did see uh, record numbers of children uh, experiencing um, truancy. And, you know, if you go to our court, in fact, we've convened so many meetings last year around this because the courts were 100% overwhelmed. overwhelmed. And, and we know that the answer is not throwing everyone in jail, uh, but we also do know that that is a part of the consequences and the way we've worked with our district attorney when it's habitual and it's uh, not stopping that jail can be an option. I think at the same time we're working close with the marshal's office. We, we try and do a really good job of working with uh, our community agencies to help support what's best for children and we've worked with our marshal's office uh, and we're working very closely with VYJ which is Volunteers for Youth Justice. In fact, I'm really excited about this one-stop shop concept that has uh, been an idea in our system for probably about seven years and we finally see it coming to fruition. And what this is, is uh, we're looking at one of our buildings that we're not utilizing, that's our Knight Street property. We're going to, VYJ is going to take occupancy of the building and they're going to work with agencies like child support, uh, things like food stamps, things like um, you know mental health counseling and different supports and house that in one spot so that when we do see families going before the judges they can say okay your your cons your consequence or your your penalty is to go to one-stop shop and go through all of the cycles to get those things fixed and we're going to put that in one place so we do look to see that hope open as early as October uh, and again we're beating the bushes trying to find children and what I and since I'm on TV I'll encourage anyone if you know of a child that's not in school uh, let them know that we have worked diligently to create safe environments that are uh, as free of COVID and other any other illnesses that they could possibly could be so we do need those children to, to return to school and we want those families to know that those families and there are families that just were 100% afraid of COVID that we have to learn uh, to live with the pandemic uh, so that we continue to see academic success for our children. See it, it's it's great to hear you talk about working with the school board working with a commission mm -hmm. working with a nonprofit all to accomplish that mission, the di district attorney, all working together mm -hmm. toward that. That's why I think it worked so well the first time and why I think mm -hmm. it's going to work great the second time. One of the things, the most humbling things that I've ever done is mm -hmm. to be a Sunday school teacher for middle school boys. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, sure. It was humbling, okay? Um, and uh, one of the one things that I would take in a year, maybe I can teach one thing that they'll take out of it, mm -hmm. uh, was what I call loyalty to the absent. Okay. okay. And it's this idea that you can break up a bullying session uh, mm -hmm. simply by stepping up and saying, you know, in favor of the person being bullied. Mm -hmm. uh, with that said, just as an aside, what what are y'all doing? What are, what are your thoughts about how we can stop some of that that goes on 
especially the upper elementary, middle school, high school years, it's so damaging, you know. Right, right. And uh, and and I just wondered, you know, how y'all approach that as it relates to and, school. And you know, I, I, first off, I you know, there's a special spot in heaven for you. I uh, taught middle school only. <laughs> I was a middle school principal and assistant principal for probably seven years in total. So middle school is a special place. I tell you, it really is. But I do think, and you do see a lot of the bullying and things of that behavior developing there. I do think when we look at our social emotional learning platform, there is an, a clear message around bullying not being acceptable and that not to tolerate being bullied. I think at the same time we do have great policies. You know, we're going to teach you first, but then there are great policies that we have that support uh, creating an anti-bullying environment and we make our children and families very aware of those things that they need to do if they find themselves in those situations. We've provided training to our staff on how to support students in those situations. You know, it's no longer the day where people say get over it or hit him back. Uh, those are not the <laughs> options that we're presenting to children today, but really working with them to work through that and really trying to get to that, to that aggression too so that we work through what's causing that because generally speaking you can find a root cause to why one person is bullying people generally what's it they'll saying hurt people hurt people and really you just got to really address those hurts and really uh, try and build on the success and we do that every day wish I could say we were a bully free environment but we're certainly working towards that every day what's interesting is that it's changed too like it used to be maybe you're on the playground and someone's yeah, picking someday. on you uh -huh. Now you go home and it's almost like it can follow you to these places, even to your With social media. So yeah. it's changed and it's evolved and it sounds like you guys are keeping up with the times and making sure you establish things. Kind of like you said that you taught the young boys in Sunday school that you need to be a friend to those who might be getting picked mm -hmm. on I and you that. have to speak up for them because I think all of it's a team effort. Mm -hmm. So if you see someone, like you said, say something. Mm -hmm. You see someone being bullied or you see something and they can't really defend themselves. I'm not saying that you engage in anything, but you help right. them out or you at least speak up for them or say what you know. So mm -hmm. I think it takes all of us to be a part of that solution. I agree. Could not agree more. One of the things early on you talked about, and it's a key thing, I think, with the state uh, of Louisiana as well as in individual districts, is this idea of a school career connection. Mm -hmm. Because I think we fully well know that uh, not everybody wants to go to a university, not everybody is that something for them to do, but everybody we can have to have gainful employment and be able to support a family mm -hmm. and that's by connecting the school with the career connections can you talk a little bit about what you're doing in Caddo and what we're doing generally to try to elevate that idea of the school career connection right you know one thing we're doing if you look at our high schools we've embedded the, uh, these career pathways within all of our high schools we're talking things like welding barber skills uh, we're talking about entrepreneurship just law several different of those career pathways are embedded in what we do every day so we are working diligently for as many kids as possible to leave uh, with some type of certification or some type of credential even when they leave high school when you look at the medical fields and all the things that you know that are out there in those LI health fields, really looking to increase opportunities for students uh, to earn some of those certifications or really to explore those careers before they leave high school. And again, our push is really for you to be either prepared for college or prepared for a career. And, and to feel that you can chase your wildest dreams in whichever um, you choose to do when you leave our high school setting. Let me ask you this, is kind of as we're thinking about uh, the issue of uh, uh, what we do as far as our, our kids are concerned um, is this um, 
thoughts that you might have uh, for parents. There is no parent, I've never met a parent who doesn't love their child, okay? Mm -hmm. So they want the best for their child. They don't often know what to do, okay, right. to get there. Right. So if you were talking to a group of parents at a, at a school, okay, what would your, some of your thoughts be about parenting and the connection with school and their education? Uh, what kind of things would you tell a, a parent? Got a chance to do it now. You know, I think that's an interesting question. One, a part of our strategic plan where we are seeing slow progress is the development of our parent academy. And I think the reason why is because, and you know, we talk about, uh, you know, 400 years we've done education about the same. Uh, and, and in my 26 years, I've seen it be about the same. What we're looking for, though, Dr. Roseman, are what are those unique things that we can do to really help parents within our parent academy? And it's really looking at how, what are those supports that parents really need? And we're trying to define those. One thing I can tell you for sure is that parents taking time to review homework, taking times to read to and read with their children, parents taking time to build positive relationships with their teacher, the teachers of their children are all critical things that need to happen. I do believe though there are even things past that that need to be identified where school systems can be more supportive to, commu to communities and families uh, as we do what's best for children. But those are some of the basic things that I would tell parents to do uh, and to really, you know, especially when you look at you know, we often talk about that middle school drop. You have people who are super involved in the elementary school, uh, super involved in high school because of boosters and different things, but we see that lag in middle school. Make sure that you're not finding yourself in that situation as well mm -hmm. and that we're supportive and uh, support the school and support education uh, from birth to until it's, you know, we are really grave. Yeah, well, go ahead. I was just going to mention because you are a parent as well, mm -hmm. so I mean, Congratulations, she's getting ready to graduate. My correct? senior, yeah. yes. So, <laughs> I'm sure you kept an open line of communication with teachers, even though you're in education. I'm sure mm -hmm. that you wanted to make sure you knew what was going on and mm -hmm. you guys had that open line. Of, did that improve things for you? I mean, I know that that could be absolutely, you know, as parents, uh, we, 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 were, we were truly very engaged uh, and monitored our children's academic success. And of course, whenever necessary, advocated for our children. And, and that's another thing I would encourage parents to always be that first advocate advocate for your child. Uh, again, children, uh, we're not, we don't really raise children to necessarily advocate for themselves, especially at young ages, because it's seen as disrespectful. Uh, so I do think there are opportunities for parents to respectfully be that advocate for their children. Absolutely. And it's very much needed a lot. It is. Of absolutely. It's always going to happen. Uh, just the last question, and thank you so much for your time. It is my uh, pleasure. Uh, but just uh, give you a chance to kind of talk to the community, your thoughts about, uh, to the community about uh, school, education, the community, where we need to go in Northwest Louisiana, uh, what your thoughts are as it relates to, to that. You know, what I would tell parents is that, you know, certainly the pandemic created a unique uh, opportunity for us to really show the world how quickly we can move forward for children. Uh, I do believe we in Louisiana, we, in Louisiana we saw ourselves at a deficit as we went into the pandemic, but of course those deficits are even larger today. But I do think the opportunity is that if we roll our sleeves up, we take advantage of the wonderful opportunities that this state is creating, not only in Baton Rouge for education, 
education, but certainly here locally, and really take advantage of those opportunities, we will see those gaps close very quickly. Uh, we'll see our workforce, we'll see our community, we'll see our government, we'll see all of our industries improve because education truly is the gateway uh, to, to a, a happy, successful community and to happy, successful people. So that, that's what we wish for all of our children, that's what we wish for all of our citizens, and what we wish for our entire Shreveport. Yeah, what we have to do is get our arms around it. And we have to. And, you know, we, it is a fact that we have lost some in the gap in, mm -hmm. as it relates to COVID, and, but uh, it's not irreversible. And let me add this. I think it's too important. And then Dr. Rose, I want to publicly thank you. I think it's important that people not decide to sit to the sideline and watch just because their children may have finished the public school system. I think everyone in the community has an obligation uh, to find a place to work towards a better tomorrow. And again, it will start with our young people. They are our future. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. Well, it's been great having you. And of course, as always, thank you for just being my co-host. <laughs> I enjoy it, Troy. We'll have new episodes every Monday. And you can find KTBS Education Checkup wherever you listen to podcasts.